Hello everyone and welcome to the Banter Roundtable podcast. This is your host, Ben Cohen. And I'm Justin Rosario. The Banter Roundtable podcast is brought to you by the Banter Newsletter. We rely on our generous subscribers to keep going, so please support us by signing up for a Banter membership today. You can get a 50% discount when you join the community and you'll get access to all our premium articles and locked archive. You will also be supporting independent, responsible media at a crucial time when our democracy is in peril. Your support is greatly appreciated. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 107 of the Banter Roundtable podcast. Here with Justin Rosario. Justin, how are you today, sir? Uh, Busy. Busy. Been a busy week. Been a very Uh, busy week. Very, very, very busy week. We do have a great show for you today. Um, Mitch McConnell, the evil Dark Lord Master, uh, Voldemort, is stepping down in November. Biden dominates in Michigan, but the press would have you believe he lost. Uh, Does Donald Trump have Alzheimer's? We're just asking questions. Peace (laughs) activists on the left aren't very peaceful. We have our greedy bastard segment of the week. I like we we just chop and change these, by the way. Or um, <laughs> if anyone's paying attention, uh, we have a clown of the week, and we have a ray of sunshine all the way from California. Uh, in the emergency meeting, we are going to be discussing uh, whether the Supreme Court is going to steal the election and hand it to Donald Trump. Evidence right now suggests that probably yes. So listen up in the emergency meeting. Uh, if you want to join us in the emergency meeting, it's a shorter, more sweary, controversial podcast we do for members only. You can get access to that by getting yourself a banter membership. Uh, you'll get 50% off. Click the link and you'll get access to everything we do, including all our paid members articles, our chat threads and our locked archive. So please come and join us in the, the emergency meeting um, after the show. Thanks. All right. So. Let's get going. Uh, we do have, just quickly, we do have another story, actually. We forgot to add this, right? But Donald Trump uh, cannot pay his legal bills. <laughs> so he's t- he's talking about having to sell a property, right? Is, is that the latest? God, no, he's not even doing that. He's he's trying to... So he owes, he owes over $450 million, right, for the judgment. And he wants to appeal it. But in order to appeal it, he has to put up the money first, right? Because that, that's how it works. Right? In order to appeal a ruling like that or, or, or any ruling where you owe money, you have to put up the money first. So if you lose it, the money's already there and you just lose the money. And he doesn't have, the, you know, Donald Trump, the billionaire, does not have $454 million plus interest. And he's trying, he, 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 tried to say i'll give you 100 million and that'll be enough and an appeals judge just immediately said no we're not doing that and he's trying to secure loans from the banks and blah 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 and i i really don't see how any bank is going to loan him 300 plus million dollars because donald trump does not pay back the money he owes ever. Like he, that's like how he's made money over the years. He just doesn't pay back loans. So there's a re that's why he, he's not a billionaire apparently. And this is why the hashtag Trump is broke is trending 
and, and it keeps trending over and over, which is hilarious. Like his whole thing is I'm a billionaire and now he can't afford to pay even half a billion dollars. So it's been quite delightful to watch. A real billionaire, right? Oh yeah. He's just rolling in it. He's rolling in it. Uh, well, look, that's good news, obviously. Funny. Um, good way to start the show. But look, I don't know whether you think this is good or bad news, but Mitch McConnell was stepping down in November. This is He, he announced basically his retirement uh, from his role as minority leader um, in the Senate. So this is an end of an era, really. Mitch McConnell has been a, a very, very, very instrumental person to mostly handing Donald Trump huge amounts of power and leverage over the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, his legacy includes essentially stealing three Supreme Court nominees um, for the Republicans by he managed to block, he blocked Merrick Garland under, um, under Obama and then ram, helped ram through two conservative activist judges under Trump. Uh, the guy is, I mean, look, from my perspective, this is, I actually think this is, this is great news uh, for the Democrats that Mitch McConnell was going because I fear Mitch McConnell. I fear Mitch McConnell's shrewdness. I fear his intelligence. He's incredibly dangerous. Yes, he's 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 as dangerous to the left as Nancy Pelosi is dangerous to the right. Yeah, like pretty much. It, like I'm I'm all for, I'm a big believer in Nancy Pelosi. Do I agree with everything Nancy Pelosi believes in? No, but I recognize her skill as a, a formidable politician, a formidable operator. She, her ability to corral Democrats and keep everybody unified is just was amazing, and she was fantastic as kind of uh, opposition as kind of Donald Trump's foil during his presidency. Yeah, she kept him from getting a lot of the stuff he wanted done, and she rolled more than one Speaker of the House. Yes, when the Republicans were in charge. Like she just she kicked them in the nuts. Hard. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 and and the kind of the alt left and the the um, the far left, if you call them that, they hate Nancy Pelosi, which for me is a is a sign that she's doing something right. Exactly, the fact the the fact that they despise her is because she she kept Republicans from doing more damage, and yes. they hated that. Yes, and I think it kind of Mitch McConnell was a sort of mirror is the mirror image of Nancy Pelosi. So the extremists want to get rid of Mitch McConnell. The alt-right nutjobs want to get rid of Mitch McConnell because they're not particularly bright. Um, But the traditional conservatives do understand how instrumental Mitch McConnell is to keeping Republicans. Like, his ability to turn the GOP's fortunes around has been remarkable, right? His ability to leverage what little power he does and, like, his negotiating tactics in the Senate are, I mean, they're legendary. Right, they're absolutely legendary. So, and he uses power for evil. So, yeah, he uses power. He's just he, he operates under the 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 kind of the axis that you must do absolutely everything you can to retain as much power as possible right now for the, for the GOP. So he, I mean, he was obviously he he was he's never been a fan of Donald Trump ever, but he as soon as it became clear that Donald Trump was going to be the nominee and he was going to you know uh when he became president mitch mcconnell just said look i'm at your service um let's let's use as much power as we can to get 
you know to do what's in the Republican Party's interest. Uh, it was it just r- utterly ruthless. Um, no sort of moral compass whatsoever. I don't think he's immoral, but he's amoral. He's totally amoral. Yeah, he's I mean, done. Could... He's done more damage than anyone else to the Senate, to the courts. He did yeah. massive amounts of damage. So you know, the less Mitch McConnell, the better the country. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So I, I think this is great news that he's going. Um, now, the flip side of that, mm. um, without Mitch McConnell, there's a really, really good chance that the House Republican conference is going to get magnified. Um, so they're they're looking at, and I wrote about this today on, on my newsletter. Um, and yesterday as well. So what's happening is you've got three front runners for leadership at the moment, right? You've got John Thune, John Cornyn, and John, um, it's old Johns, um, Barrasso. I'm assuming I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Um, Thune and Cornyn are both like, you know, old school conservative types. Mm. Barrasso is Megaland. Right. He's right. like super mega land. And that's who Trump is going to want. Oh, yeah. And right now, the way the Republican conference is, there's enough MAGA in there to keep Thune and Cornyn from getting the, the nod, from getting the nomination, from taking over. Mm. Now, this is pretty much what happened in the House. Um, they the, the, the even though the MAGA people were a minority there was enough of them that the the regular conservatives could not put one of theirs in place unless they gave up massive amounts of power and that's what's going to happen here mm. right either they either the rest of the party the rest of the rest of the senate republicans give in and put uh barrasso in charge in which case you've got a clown show or they're gonna give the you know the MAGA wing all the concessions they want, and it'll be Thune or Cornyn, and they're going to be absolutely handicapped, and it'll still be a clown show among the the Republican caucus, um, and that's not great because as as annoying as Mitch McConnell is, as terrible as he's been. One of the things he hasn't been doing is trying to burn the country to the ground in, in just just because it's fun, right? The Senate almost never screws around when it comes to like government shutdowns and and screwing around with the budget and the debt ceiling, right? That's not that all comes from the House Republicans. But now you're looking at it coming from the Senate Republicans. And that's dangerous because the debt ceiling, when that comes up again, you're going to have enough. You're going to have if they have a MAGA guy in charge of the Senate Republicans, even if they're not in charge of the Senate. Right. If they don't take back the Senate, they still might just decide to veto a debt ceiling bill because MAGA land wants to blow up the economy because it'll be fun. Right. That's a house thing. But now it might also be a Senate thing. They might turn the Senate 
into the house. And that's really dangerous. Yeah. So, you know, yay, we got rid of Mitch McConnell. But in the short term, we're looking at absolute chaos in the Senate, which is going to not be helpful for them in the long run because people are going to look at the Senate and be like, oh, well, if you guys are all assholes, then why are we going to vote for you if all you're doing is hurting the country? So that'll hurt them in the long run. But in the short term, not great. So it's it's a real mixed bag here of what yeah. we're looking, looking at in the near term. Well, to be to be continued, to be continued. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, look, uh, let's move on to the next topic. Apparently, Joe Biden lost in Michigan. He lost the Michigan primary, Justin. Did oh, my God. He this? did awful with 81 percent. Yeah, oh my God. yeah, yeah, how, yeah. How is he surviving with eighty-one percent of the vote? I don't know. Yeah, he got it. he got crushed. Uh, he got crushed. It's a war. It's a terrible sign um, for his prospects in November. Um, I think uh, you know Donald Trump did amazingly well. On the other hand, Donald Trump did amazingly well. He won. He, he, he absolutely crushed with sixty-eight percent because sixty-eight is it's, much higher than than eighty-one. Yeah, that's this, that's that's Beltway Press math. Yeah. I mean, we're we're not we are kidding, but we're not kidding. But are we though? But are, are we, we really? kidding? Right. This was I, I wrote about this. I did. A, I I posted this to my um to Substack notes, uh, when it when it came out. But this was the way that the New York Times um portrayed this was just insane. It was it was incredible, right? Um. So. This was this was the headline, right? The, the headline was Biden's Israel policy prompts Democratic protest votes in Michigan primary. Subtitle: President Biden faced discontent. Donald Trump won again, and both may face challenges from within their parties. Are you joking? This is, I mean, <laughs> what? The Guardian did the same thing. The Guardian was like, "Oh yeah, Biden difficulties for Biden, blah blah blah," and it's just like. Are, are you serious? It's like they had three different articles highlighting how much trouble Biden was in and one little thing about Donald Trump also faces trouble. And it's like, oh, my God. It's amazing. They just yeah. can't. They can't. They can't it's pathological. They can't it's absolutely themselves. pathological. Yeah. I mean, look, it wasn't. Look, Trump did win. You know, he won convincingly. Right. But it wasn't a blowout. Right. It wasn't a complete domination. Um, Biden's was a complete domination. So, so <laughs> right. but I don't understand. I, I I don't understand how this is then because I think what you know what the they latched onto this story about um, Arab voters in Michigan. There were lots of protest votes against Biden because of his support of Israel. Right. Right. Uncommitted. Which, which makes absolutely no sense whatsoever, right? Because if you pave the way for Donald, do you think Donald Trump is going to be more even-handed when it comes to dealing with the Palestinians? Well, right? but here's the problem with that narrative, though, right? Even that narrative doesn't really work. The whole thing, the uncommitted vote was 13%, right? But in 2012, Obama got 11%. And mm. it wasn't some big, massive protest against Obama, right? It wasn't like, oh, people are angry at Obama. It was just, that's kind of just how Michigan rolls. In right. 2008, Hillary Clinton got a much larger um, uncommitted vote, 
when she mm. was running. Uh, for some reason, it was weird. The Michigan one was all screwed up in 2008. Um, and Obama wasn't quite on the ticket. I don't know. I, I, I'm not entirely sure what happened there. But Michigan just has a thing where they just have a, ha- a habit for Democrats, at least, where they always have an uncommitted vote. And if you only got 2% higher for Biden than you did for Obama, then you're not really looking at this massive, we hate, um, we hate Biden. It's just not there. Yeah, it was 13%. But so what? Right. Right? You don't really have, you know, if it was like 30%, then you can make a case. But two more percent than what you got back in 2012, that's not a great case. But the press didn't want to talk about that, right? They didn't want to say nothing about that. Meanwhile, Nikki Haley's vote, right? She got 26%. Mm. Nobody voting for Nikki Haley thinks Nikki Haley's going to win. Nikki Haley knows she's not going to win. She is a protest vote at this point. Everybody knows that. That means 26% of voters were voting a protest vote against Donald Trump. But we don't want to talk about that. We don't want to put it that way. We don't want to frame it that way because we want to frame a 13 percent as a protest vote against Biden. We don't want to we don't want to frame double that against Donald Trump, because then you have to talk about how weak Donald Trump is as a candidate. And God help us. We are not allowed to do that in the fucking mainstream media. God help us. You cannot do that. I mean, people maybe think we bang on about this a lot, right? And that we're maybe making it up, but it is—it's such a real thing. This both sides, this both sides thing. It—it's—it is pathological. That they have to do this. It's like they have—they have to fit the election into a a, a prescribed narrative. Yeah, it's got to be a horse race. It has has to be a horse race. Has to be a horse race. Right, because then if it's not a horse race, then boring ratings go down, etc. etc. Right. And I just thought it was amazing. Like the new the really like who okayed that headline? Yeah, exactly. I promise you, right? For all the articles that you keep seeing about how Trump's winning in the um in the polls and blah, if Biden were to pull ahead by 10 points. I promise you, every single thing you saw in the in, in the New York Times and Washington Post would start talking about how the polling is not accurate, right. and that you can't follow the polling, and that right. Biden doesn't have as large crowds. They would ch- they would some they would shift the metrics to still say, even though the polling shows blah blah blah, the race is still tight. I promise mm. you. Yeah. Yeah, oh, and yeah, by yeah. the way, Marianne Williamson un- unsuspended her campaign. She's back in the race. Oh, for God's sake. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. She's back in the race. After she came in third in a – Dean Phillips came in fourth in a two-person race. She came in third, and she dropped out weeks ago, and she unsuspended her campaign. I'm very excited about this. It's hilarious. Great. Uh <laughs> What's what's happened? Just quickly, uh, what's happened with our friend uh, RFK Junior? Just uh, I, I I don't know. You pay attention to this stuff. <laughs> um, he's still trying to become the green candidate, not green, libertarian. Okay. Um, so he can get into like all fifty states. But I 
don't know that he's been able to do that yet. I know he just had, oh man, he just had something stupid happen with him. Another, he did something, another stupid thing recently, and I can't remember what it was. It was another like, really, dude? My, my, really? Oh man, it was something really obnoxious and dumb. Was it racist? Was it sexist? It's so hard to remember with him. I can't, I don't know. It was something, it was something like, yeah, okay, good luck. Good luck running in the general election with that, buddy. Have fun. But yeah, I don't, I don't see him getting very far. <laughs> no, no, I don't. Well, we'll st- we're, we're following it. Well, I guess you were following it. I, that's, uh, <laughs> I forgot to write, I, I saw that and I forgot to write the note down like, oh God, Jesus, really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, well, let's let's uh, let's move on. Um, does Donald Trump have Alzheimer's? I'm just asking questions here, Justin. I'm not saying he does, um, but right, not a great week for Mr. Trump. And did, no. this was quite this was pretty pretty nuts. This right, um, he couldn't remember what was it. He couldn't remember the name of his kids. No, no, he right? could not. That's so bad. <laughs> yeah, right. It, that it was, was insane. Right? It, it was, hold on, I've got an audio clip here. Uh, so let's play the audio clip. First of all, my family, Melania, Baron, Don Jr. and Kimberly, Ivanka and Jared, Tiffany and Michael, they're so, so supportive, so supportive of me, and we really appreciate it and love them. They're great. We have a great family. Me and we? He said, <laughs> it was, anyway, yeah, brain worms, right? But Biden's the old one. So anyway. Now, um, now the thing about this, I mean, it, it, it's a video clip. You really should, you should put the link in, to, in, the, in, the, um, in the show notes or something. He looks down, right? Remember, last week was a big hullabaloo hmm. because Joe Biden has note cards when he gives speeches about really complicated stuff, right? And somehow, because, I mean, people do this all the time. I mean, this is not a new thing. People have been using note cards as long as there have been note cards. But somehow when Biden does it, it became concerning, right? Right. And yet, here was Donald Trump reading notes for his family's name. Yeah, he could. Right. Yeah, he's he's got. A, he has to. He can't remember his family's name, and, he, and he's got, probably got it written down. That little this in the span of thirteen seconds, he has to look down six different times. Like remember, I yeah. counted it, he has to look down six times in thirteen seconds to remember the names of his family, and he still forgot one. He forgot Eric. He skipped over Eric and his wife, which is unbelievable. So that's pretty wild. And somehow, right? Remember, they wrote what 80, 84, 85 articles in three days between three newspapers about Biden and his age and his memory when some guy who had no qualifications to talk about that, said, oh, he's an old forgetful man. And they were like, oh, my God, we have to write multiple or 80-something articles about this in three days between the yeah. Washington Post, the New York Times, and the Wall Street Journal. 
here's Donald Trump not being able to remember the names of his fucking kids. And hardly anyone wrote about it. Certainly not 80-something articles. They just kind of went, eh, you know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm pretty sure this was probably a better indication that he's got cognitive uh, decline. And they just slip right past it. No big deal. Yeah, I mean, look, and I led with the whole, does he have Alzheimer's? I, I don't, he's not got Alzheimer's. Uh, and obviously, no offense to anyone who has family members suffering from Alzheimer's. It's happened in my family, so I know about that. But I'm, guess, making a point about the way that the press treats Biden and the way that the press treats Trump, right? Uh, they talk about, you know, there's open talk of, like, dementia. If you go Fox News, like, Joe Biden has dementia. Um, yeah. That's just a, it's like a given. Like, they're all saying it. And they um, did that during the 2020 election, too. They mm. were all over that in 2020, because they tried pushing that, and they didn't get anywhere with it, and it really pissed them off Yeah, that that didn't work. Uh, so, look, uh, next we have peace activists on the left uh, are not very peaceful. So this oh, is a tweet. You, God. you found this tweet. I don't know who this is, but it's a person who was – it was shared many, many times, right? Yeah. Um, there's a guy called Mohammed El Kurd. He writes, uh, "You can't protest peacefully. You can't boycott. You can't hunger strike. You can't hijack planes. You can't block traffic. You can't throw Molotovs. You can't self-immolate. You can't heckle politicians. You can't march. You can't riot. You can't dissent. You just can't be." Uh, eh? And he's not being sarcastic. Yeah, this right? is not a if joke. If he was being sarc, yeah, if he was if he was being sarcastic, it would be like, "Okay, haha, very funny," right? But he wasn't. He was not. I looked at his timeline. This is not this was not tongue in cheek. This wasn't like, you know, being a parody, you know, it would have been funny as a parody sort of. But he wasn't joking. He was being dead dead serious. Uh, no pun with dead. But he was being completely serious. He meant it cuz the rest of his timeline was, you know, uh, anti-Israel this and, you know, Biden's this and blah 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 and I'm just reading it and I was like, yo, this guy's totally Totally serious. Somehow hijacking planes is now a legitimate form of protest. Okay. Yeah. So I that's think where we are now. This is indicative of what is happening on in in some circles on the left, right? The activist left. Uh that there's there's some terrifying like basically if you go to any synagogue or any jewish community center or any talk that are you know jewish talks or anything like that they have round the clock security now round the clock right right because, because we're all oppressors now yeah because we're right and it's you know um there was a description of uh, uh barry Ro- barry weiss your favorite person in the whole world justin um uh, barry weiss gave a speech at the the state of world jewelry right it's on uh it, it's a place you know Eli Wiesel has given talks there. Um, it's about basically Jewish life in America, but she describes the n- amount of security that she had to she had to have. Like the NYPD uh, had to come and basically escort her into the building and make sure she was safe, um, because this is what Jews have to go through now in America, right? Um, and these are left wing activists who are protesting what's happening, obviously in Gaza, but threatening physically threatening jews right it's happening on 
um, people was on Jewish speakers on campus. They had some guy from the IDF was speaking on on a campus in in America, and he had to have security. Uh, people were calling him, you know, shouting Jew at him, Jew, Jew, Jew. This is what counts now as left wing activism: is violence towards Jews, naked aggression towards Jews. So I get, you know, look, this is a, obviously a wider topic, but I get protesting what's happening in Gaza and the, the Israeli government. I understand that, right? But physically threatening and assaulting Jews is not the way they're to go. Jewish. Yeah, it's not the way to go about it. Yeah, it's weird how often it always slips from I'm angry about what the uh, Israeli Defense Force doing is to I hate you because you're a fucking Jew. It's like, how are you connecting those two exactly? Oh, right. Anti-Semitism. Right. And then when you point out it's anti-Semitic, it's like, why are you screaming Jew then? Yeah, these two you can't connect these two things and then not say you're not an anti-Semite. You you can't do that, right? You, you that's like that's like I, I'm angry at you know this this black person mugged me and now I scream the n-word all the time. It's like okay, well then you're racist. Oh, I'm not racist. Yes, you fucking are. Right. You you can't do that. You don't get to do that and then pretend you're not being racist. You right. can't you can't just erase it and be like no 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 it, it, I only hate that one guy then why are you screaming it at everyone who's black yeah I don't know that, it's like that that statistic from uh, in the wake of the October seventh there was a over a one thousand three hundred percent rise in hate crimes uh, against Jews in London in London alone right that's and they weren't come they these were coming from left wing activists right which is bad shit insane. It's yeah. like, I mean, it, it, it's it. You don't even know if this Jewish person is Israeli. You're just a, even if that was the case, you they're Israeli, okay? What does that have to do with anything? Right. I mean, if if you're if you're British and your country does something, does that mean I get to beat you up because you're British? No, you'd be offended if I. Oh, you can't hold me responsible for everything my government does. Why not? You're doing the same thing. That that does, why doesn't that count? How come I can't beat you up, right? That I mean, it does. It's just they only do this to Jewish people, and they don't see how it's not anti-Semitic. And right. they, either that or they're just like, oh, well, you can't call me that. You're just using it as a shield. It's like, well, I don't know. Maybe stop hating Jews and stop trying to hide behind yeah. it. I don't know. It's you. <laughs> Right, and there's there's again there's a kind of there's a broader point to be made about I I tried to write a piece about this last week, uh, but kind of basically failed right because I I couldn't for whatever reason I just I I didn't I couldn't quite say what I wanted to say uh, it wasn't I don't know whether I had writer's block or whatever but you couldn't cut, you I, couldn't you couldn't quite put articulate it the right way yeah and it was it happens. It, it's it's essentially about why a lot of Jews are not don't feel comfortable speaking out about what's happening in Gaza, right? About the the terrible conflict that I look at it and I'm horrified, right? It's terrible. And I obviously want a ceasefire. I want the violence to stop. I can't, you know, seeing all these dead kids, is, it's just horrendous, right? Um, but a lot of people were, you know, A, blaming Jews and B, saying that if you don't speak out about it, you're complicit in the violence, right? Which is... Um, 
and I wanted to kind of write an article about how a lot of Jews are feeling about this, but it's like, they probably are horrified. Most of them are. I know loads of people who, who in private are like, yeah, this, I'm not up for this. This is, this is, this is horrendous. Um, but they feel they don't want to say it in public because of the amount of threats that Jews are coming under. Right. And the fact that um, it's hard to know where being against what's happening and anti-Semitism, where's the line, Right. You know, when does it become just hate hating Jews? Right? Do you do you oppose it because you love Palestinians? Um, or is it because you hate Jews? Right. And or, and that's the thing. And I think we're gonna find out really, really soon. Because we were talking about this before the show, right? There Biden is again working on again another temporary ceasefire. Yeah. And at some point the fighting is going to end, right? There, yeah, it will, yeah. And I am 100 fully convinced that once the fighting ends, these protests are going to continue because yeah, yeah. they don't really, I mean, uh, all right, a lot of the Muslims care, right? Because these are all the Muslims getting killed, right? They, they tend to take that personally. But there's a lot of the other, the, a lot of the people on the alt left, a lot of the, you know, the far left people, they don't give a flying fuck about Palestinian kids. They don't care. They've never cared. This is just a way for them to, to weaponize this against people that they don't like. And now that they've really opened that door to the anti-Semitism, something yeah. like a lot of the people on the left, on the, on the far left, excuse me, have really uh, skirted that line of racism in the past and now they've really just kind of went right over that line and been like, oh, this was empowering. I enjoy this. I don't think they're going to want to go back. I think they got a taste of, oh, I can do this. And and I, other people joined me. I think they got quite comfortable voicing how much they hate certain groups. And I right. think they're just going to find another thing to protest about. Yes. And I, I, and I think that that's what a lot of Jews see right now. They don't like... You know, it's not because they are supporting what the Israeli government is. I don't support what the Israeli government is doing. I don't know what they are. They should do. I have no idea what they should do. Um, but I know we know what anti-Semitism looks like when we see it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I have no real solution to what's happening in Israel and Palestine. I have no idea how that would be solved. And I think clearly, you know, putting my 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 thinking cap on it would be it, the Israeli government's going to have to make some major concessions major major concessions well they've they've screwed this up badly for far too long um but I think another one of the point I wanted to make was that the one of the things that I see from the activist left is that uh they hold Israel and Jews to standards they don't hold Palestinians and Muslims to or anyone else for that matter no one gets hold to those standards Right. Even if they were committing actual real genocide, like the Chinese, they don't hold yeah. the Chinese to that standard. No one gets hold to these standards except for Jews yes. and Israel. Yes, ex exactly. And I think that that's what a lot of Jews see. And they think, you know what? I feel like right now, my own, I feel under threat. It's not something I feel, you know, and that's how kind of I, how I feel. I'm like, okay, you want me to pick a side? I'm going to pick a side. Right. Because my own life and my own family you know is in potentially in danger because of this stuff 
right? Like if had what happened on October 7th, had the world not cheered and called for more genocide of Jews, it might be different. But that's what happened. What happened was Jews were, uh, Israeli Jews were savagely attacked and you know, over a thousand civilians were murdered. Um, and they cheered for it. And they cheered for it and they called for more. And, and they were before, very clear yeah. about it too. It wasn't yes. just like, no, we don't want Israel to do, and we don't want Israel to retaliate. They were just like, no, we want more of this to happen to Israelis. It was like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, and and, and so, that's why that yes, and that's why some Jews are not speaking out about this. So, anyway, anyway, I wanted to make that point. Um, I'll maybe tr I'll try and put it in in an article at some point. I don't know if I can get my thoughts out on this, but anyway, so look. We have, let's go on to our greedy bastard of the week. This is a brand new segment. We've just made it up. Uh, <laughs> but this, uh, Stephen Moore, Justin, you want to take the lead on this? I've been following Stephen Moore for quite some time. Uh, a guy who's perpetually wrong about everything, but still seems to, um, so he, he fails upwards. Uh, what did yeah. he do this week? Well, Stephen Moore is um, one of the lovely people from the Trump administration and um, he is part of Project 2025. Project 2025, if you'll recall, is the rather wide and um, broad plan for the right wing to destroy the United States, burn the Constitution, and usher in uh, fascist theocracy. Shit, you can throw in like 20 other different words in there. But it's, it's really, really bad. And they plan on doing it on like literally day one. They're just going to hit the ground running. Um, so we keep finding out new bits and pieces and the new bit and piece that we found out this week, actually, I think it was like today was, mm. uh, today being Thursday was that Stephen Moore has a very specific plan about privatizing social security. This has been a long-term goal of the right wing since forever. Um, they've hated social security since it was first created in 1935. And they really, really started to hate it when black people were able to access Social Security. But so they're really, really going in on it. Um, so this is from The Guardian. Uh, Stephen Moore, conservative economist whose controversial remarks about women cost him a seat on the Federal Reserve Board in 2019, is now co-author of a plan to radically reform the U.S. Treasury as part of Project 2025, a vast right-wing effort to advance radical policies uh, proposals for Donald Trump's possible White House return. Uh, blah, blah, blah. More said by email. Actually, I favor higher Social Security benefits with, this is the key thing, personal accounts. Uh, personal accounts is another way of saying privatizing. Um, so basically, they want to take the trillions of dollars in Social Security and hand it over to Wall Street so Wall Street can gamble with it. And, yeah. you know, when Wall Street accidentally loses all that money oh well senior citizens sorry just like kind of like the way companies take the pension uh, pension funds and gamble it and then when they lose it you lose your pension sorry too bad that's what they want to do with um social security i mean they're always trying this right george w bush tried it john mccain went on a speaking tour i think with george w bush to try to cancel social or to try and privatize social security but it's it's a it's an electoral disaster yeah george w bush this was right after the 2004 election because he figured i won right and does the this, like he actually won that election so he figured i've got tons of political capital 
I'm going to use that political capital to privatize Social Security. And he got curb stopped yeah. by senior citizens. Uh, like a, a huge amount of that was his own base. Like even Republican voters were like, don't you even think about it. So he backed off, right? He had to. He he because he had, I mean, at that point, he had the House, he had the Senate, he had the White House, and they got killed by yeah, the I mean, voters. It's, it's just it just shows you how completely out of step the GOP actually is with what voters want, what the public actually wants. The public wants socialized medical care, the public wants, you know, proper social security, they want, you know well-funded public education and gun control um, and like a thousand other things but Republicans yeah. are like the opposite yeah yeah yeah. so they inflame culture wars that's why that's why they do all the stuff about i mean the, the whole 2004 election was uh about abortion. it was all gay marriage well gay marriage and abortion right it was um they figured out that they could drive evangelicals to the polls if they gave if they started talking about abortion now um, he, here's the scary thing and this is something else I wrote about this week. And this is something I was aware of, but not real. Like, I didn't know this was something that had been observed out in the real world, like in a more system, a systematic way. People don't believe the stuff that Republicans want to do when you tell them about it. And, and I knew that was a thing, but I didn't know it was a thing. Like, mm. you, when, they, when Democrats do focus groups and tell them, yeah, these are the things that Republicans want to do. They go, nah, that can't be right. That's that's like cartoonishly evil. There's no yeah. way they actually want to do that. It's like, but, no, no, they do. They literally want to do that. And they just refuse to believe it because it's so unbelievably insane that people yeah. just no, that can't be true. And that then the Republicans, they don't vote against Republicans because they don't believe Republicans actually want to eat their children. It's like, no, they actually go out there and say, no, I'm going to eat your children. It's like, oh, my God, they, here's video of them saying it. And they just don't believe it. They just right. refuse to believe it. And this is how they get away with this stuff. Right. Well, look, so uh, Stephen Moore, by the way, is a total douchebag. Um, he his his Wikipedia page is 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 pretty entertaining. Um He's been done. On, he's been done up on like tax fraud, refusing to pay for um, child support. Shocking. Not a good guy. Yeah, shocking. So anyway, so he's a deadbeat dad and a tax a tax dodger. Yeah, exactly. All right, look, we have our ray of sunshine all the way from California. This was um, California Governor Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom was on which network was it on? Well, it was meet the it's meet the press. Meet the press. It was on MSNBC. I'm going to play the clip for you. Here we go. Do you think it's responsible for Democrats to put him at the top of the ticket, given those concerns? Responsible. I revere his record. I, I mean, this, what he's done in three years has been a masterclass, close to 15 million jobs. That's eight times more than the last three Republican presidents combined. The economy is booming. Inflation is cooling. It's 0.6% more than it was in the summer of 2020 at just 3.1%. Wait a second. We have American manufacturing coming back home, all because of Biden's wisdom because of his temperance his yeah. capacity to lead in a bipartisan manner which is an underrepresented point and so i have great confidence moving forward so the answer is absolutely all in in terms of the next four years yeah great. absolutely Brilliant. yeah absolutely 
Welker, Welker keeps trying to get people. She's basically just using Republican talking points, right? She's trying to get him. She's trying to get the whole Dems in disarray. It's like, oh, she's trying to get Democrats to be like, oh, yeah, I don't know. Biden, maybe blah, blah, blah. And Newsom just 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 ate her alive, just ate her alive. It was like that. That's just humiliating for her. It's like she was trying to solicit a specific answer. And he just said, no. No, 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 we're not doing that. And I'm all for the Gavin Newsom approach to all of this, right? His whole reasoning is that look, and this is, you know, it's exactly where I stand. Like Biden, he's running, so get behind him, right? It's not that hard. If he yeah. decides not to run, then get behind whoever else runs. But if he's running, get behind him because that's your choice. Your choice is Biden or Trump. And say right? with that, it's like, look at his record. It's like, mm. you want to complain about his age? Great. Let's talk about his record. Why don't you want to talk about his record? Let's talk about his record. And they don't want to do that. They never want to talk about his record because if you talk about his record and you compare it to Trump, well, then there's no comparison. They Absolutely. never want yeah. to talk about the record. They don't want to talk about the record. They don't want to talk about issues because these two things are, there's no comparison. And therefore, they are to be avoided. You cannot have that conversation because Republicans come, especially Trump, come off looking terrible in every conceivable way. Like there's no, I mean, it's a direct apples to apples comparison. How, where do they stand on this issue? Where do they stand on this issue? How did Trump do with this? How did Biden do with that? And if you do that, the choice is, there's no choice. So therefore... We don't have this conversation. Let's talk about his age. Yep. I agree. I agree. I replied to some of the reader comments, by the way, about uh, my thoughts on Biden's age, our segment last week on the fucking Monday column. So please read that. Uh, hopefully I've articulated my position appropriately. Um, but I'm going to continue. I will say what I think about this. But again, I want to reiterate, I do believe that Biden should be running. I do also think it's OK to ask about his age, but not in the way that MSNBC is framing it. And a lot of the press is framing it. So anyway, look, uh, it's time for the emergency meeting podcast. We're going to be talking about the Supreme Court and how they are actively trying to steal the election. And this is not a joke. This is this is really serious and a very, very dark dark time for democracy at the moment we have definitive proof that the supreme court is essentially an activist court uh, dedicated to furthering right-wing lunatics like donald trump so we're going to go into the emergency meeting to discuss that there's huge news coming out of the supreme court this week in relation to trump's trial please join us there um you can get yourself 50 percent off a band of membership your support is hugely, hugely appreciated. I want to say a big thanks to all the members who've joined up this past week. We've had actually uh, another f couple of founding members um, who incredibly generous. So we really appreciate that too, to all you founding members. And uh, for everyone else, we'll see you next week. Adios.